and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. kind of how we should pray. Prayer is, is yes, about fellowshipping with God. Yes, it's about making your requests. Um, but it's so much more powerful to pray in the Spirit because then you, 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 we, we've spoken about all of that and you can get the teaching online and, and, and hear more about that. But basically, praying in the Spirit gives us an advantage as believers because it's, like we said, the Afrikaans word is natuurlijk, So it's above natural. It's supernatural. And so today we're going to continue on and uh, looking at what should we pray for. Or you could even look at, um, we're going to do most of this teaching next week, but you can look at it from the perspective of um, the mindset that we should have even with regards to prayer. We've said that it's important for us to focus in on the Father when we're praying, that He's our Father, He's not just some deity or somewhere. We've focused on the goodness of the Father and how He's treating us with grace. And you know, he, we're, if we're one with Him, which is what the Bible shows us, and we're filled with His Spirit, then it's not like our prayers have to go very far. Because uh, uh, we're praying from a place of communion with Him. Okay? But the, the believer has the Spirit of God. Okay? We're one with Him. And you know what, what, as I was meditating on that, I was realizing that we've become one with Him, so we've also become one with His desire. One with His desires, one with His heart. And we need to maybe grow in that more and more, because maybe we don't always express the heart of God, or feel the heart of God, or whatever. But it's important for us to, to realize, like, uh, uh, as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our relationship with Him, we are growing in... Be, um, our heart becoming more and more like His. Okay? Which means that His agenda would be our agenda. That means our prayers would reflect His agenda. And not so much just our agenda and what are we wanting, but it would start to re reflect His heart, which kind of uh, goes into uh, one of our uh, key verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We know verse 4 says that he wishes all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now we're going to read it in the Amplified Classic from verse 1. So look at this. It says, First of all, then I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men, for kings and for all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. For such praying is good and right and is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior who wishes all men to be saved and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So, what I, I was meditating on this a bit earlier, and um, what I find interesting is whenever we read a verse in the Bible or a passage in the Bible, I don't know if you've seen this, but we always read it from our perspective. 
<laughs> we, we always read it from what we know. We never read it as in, what is this saying to me, apart from my preconceived ideas. And so, you know, if you take off those glasses that you always read with, which is difficult, I, I agree, because we've been put in a, a, a kind of like, we've been, our, our way of thinking has usually been set when we come to studying the Word. So instead of seeing what is the Word saying to me, we're often looking at what, is, what do I see here. And uh, the reality is, is, for example, 1 Timothy and every other book were written by a specific author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but written by a specific author with a specific intention. And it had a specific meaning. And so we can't get ten meanings out of one verse. If we were, like, I know people do that. We could read a verse and ten different people, we could say, what do you get out of it? And we can all kind of come up with something. That's bad Bible study. <laughs> okay, it's nice in the sense of maybe devotional or self-application or whatever, but it's poor Bible study. Because someone's going to come up with something off the wall. And it's not going to match the, the, the intention of the, of the, the author. Because there's one meaning, and it's the meaning of the, the author. Okay? Um, so, we often miss the heart of these verses because we're not looking at what is the verses saying. We're thinking about what we've always heard. For example, okay, prayers. It's, it's, it's in, he's encouraging us and urging us to pray. Verse 2, for who? For kings and all that are in authority. Okay? And so, we use that and we're like, let's pray for the government. Which is right. And then what do we end up praying for the government? Wisdom. Make good decisions. The Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> if you look at the context here, the Bible is saying pray for their salvation. Because God's desire, it says there, in verse um, 3, it says that it is good and right and pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior who wishes all men to be saved. Not govern in wisdom. Not govern in wisdom. What does it say? It says, get saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Now, I believe God would want us to govern in, in wisdom and may be good leaders, but His primary purpose is salvation. He wouldn't want an unbeliever to govern right. He would want an unbeliever to get saved. <laughs> so that they can, their heart can change and they can govern right. Okay? So, this is showing us how we can pray for our leaders. We don't pray for them just to make godly decisions and be good leaders so that we can get on with our lives. That's what people pull out of this. Pray for, for your leaders so that you can have a peaceful life. That's very self-centered. That's not what it's saying. It's saying pray for their salvation so we can have a peaceful life. It's not so, like let's just put muzzles on the unbelievers and leave them to one side so that we can get on with our business. They are our business. So we need to be praying for their hearts to be changed as they receive Christ and then they, we start to see the transformation. Because that's what happens. Amen? Amen. You know, I'll share this with you. So this is a sneak peek for, for next Sunday. Um, but I uh, can't help it. But you know, Jesus comes into our lives and He changes us. And we might not experience that change. Other people might experience it more than us. Do you get what I mean? Because we kind of like the frog in the boiling pot of water. you get what I mean? Like it's being turned up and turned up and we don't realize that change is happening. Because we're being cooked alive like the frog in the cold water that goes hot. But it's like we don't see what's happening in our lives because we're just living our lives. But other people can, can see what's happening in our lives and see the change. 
Over the past month, amazingly, I've probably chatted to about two or three people online, random people that I don't know, that um, on Facebook, that somehow we were talking about Uncle Charlie even before he passed, and they were like, um, we were kind of like just chatting, not going to go into detail, and then I would tell them about how he's in church with us, and this and that, the next thing, and they'd be like, I could see something was different about him. Now I know that it was Jesus. I'm so thankful. So that's the kind of change we're talking about. Okay? The kind of change that impacts an individual where his daughter said to me, you know, the only reason I have a rela- had a relationship with my dad before he died was because of you guys and what Jesus did in his life. Otherwise, we would have never been speaking the last 13 years. That's huge. So imagine that kind of change in a president. <laughs> that's what I'm showing you. We don't want them to make wise decisions. We want them to get saved so they can make wise decisions. Because they can't have the mind of Christ without having Christ. Okay, so that's really important for us to see. God's desire is that we pray for salvation and spiritual growth. Okay, so now we're going to go through a couple of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament. And we're going to look at the focus of prayer in the New Testament. Okay, because the focus of prayer in the New Testament is probably very distant, different from the majority of Christians' prayer life. It's quite uh, shocking to say that. But we'll, you know, if you think about what people pray for, present company excluded, but if we think about what people pray for, uh, uh, and then we look at the New Testament, especially what Paul wrote, you'll, I think you'll be amazed. So let's get there. Okay? There, there was always something specific when, when there was a prayer mentioned. So Romans chapter 1 verse 9 to 11 from the New Living says, God knows how often I pray for you. Now, in terms of the last two or three weeks, however long it's been, talking about prayer in the Holy Spirit and Spirit-empowered prayers, it makes sense that you could spend endless time praying for people. I would run out of English. You know, to, to have to pray in English for, for people because you have to manufacture ideas. But if you're praying in the Spirit and God's giving you wisdom on how to pray for people, or you're just praying in, in tongues over them, what happens? It's, it's more supernatural, right? Then you, the, There's no um, limitation of your mind. Anyway, day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with my whole heart by spreading the good news about His Son. Side note, this one's for free. Uh... uh Bonus uh, uh, gift here. It says, Whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. A lot of people think there's different ways to serve God when this is the primary. That You might say you're serving God, but this is how we serve God. is by spreading the good news. Okay? Verse 10. One of the things I always pray is for the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you that I can bring some, you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. So here we see Paul praying for the believers in Rome. And he's not praying that he would visit them because he misses them. And he just wants to have a nice cup of tea or coffee and some cookies or something like that. What is he praying for? He's praying that he can go there so that they can grow spiritually. Okay? He's praying that he could go there so that they could grow spiritually. Romans chapter 15, verse 30 to 32 from ESV. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, 
and that my service for Jerusalem will be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So let me start off with this verse and say what Paul was not praying. Okay? Everyone look at that, 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 that line there. It says, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers. Okay? What Paul wasn't praying was that prayer that we all know of, you know, this unbeliever in the office is really making life difficult for me. God, please get rid of them. We had someone testify about that once. <laughs> you know, there was a correction opportunity. Because uh, uh, we don't pray that the unbelievers in our lives would go away because they're making life difficult for us. What do we pray for them? Salvation. Okay? We, we don't pray for a, a, a president who's an unbeliever and making our lives difficult that they would pass away. God can't answer a, de a death prayer. He's not involved in prayers like that. His opponent is. So if you're praying prayers like that, you're working with the other guy. The devil. <laughs> okay? So we don't do that. But this is, this, there's a specific thing in here. Okay? He's praying about persecution and hindrance to spreading the gospel. So his prayer here is, is praying. He's, he's asking for prayer because he's a minister of the gospel and he doesn't want the restrictions of persecution on the gospel. So he's saying, pray for me that I would be delivered from the unbelievers. He's going to the unbelievers to reach the unbelievers. But he's praying specific, he's asking for prayer specifically about uh, not the, the gospel not being limited. Okay? Paul requested prayers because he was a minister of the gospel. This, he said this, a similar thing in Ephesians 6, 18 to 19. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel i love that so he's, he's praying for opportunities to minister okay and if you keep looking throughout the books of the new testament you'll see more and more prayers like this but then as we get into Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, we see that there's a different kind of prayer. And we're going to focus on that. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 onwards, it says, I cease, not to give th uh, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So, we focused on this in the Reality of Christianity series, in depth. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to skim over it, but what I want you to, 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 to kind of do, this is a good idea, is take this, the, these uh, verses, and actually go and read through them, and meditate on them, and even pray them. Okay, because th th there's quite a lot in here. But if you think about it, 
What is the focus of Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus? Wisdom, knowledge. It's not uh, money. It's not a, 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 a cushy life or anything like that. What, he's not praying for buildings even. What is he praying for? Knowledge. And this knowledge is specifically about the power at work in the believer. The power at work toward the believer. So there's something in there that we need to take note of. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 14, he says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might by his, power, by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's to know this love that isn't something intellectual. To know this love that isn't something just intellectual. But the focus of his prayer was that we would know this love which goes beyond knowledge. Which goes beyond knowledge, which isn't just intellectual. Okay, the word knowledge in verse 19 there is a Greek word gnosis. And uh, it's, it's, uh, there's another word in, in Ephesians chapter 1.17 which says epignosis where it's used for knowledge, and we're going to look at the, the context of that in a moment. But this is implying complete, precise understanding. So that's God's desire for us. And we've, we've said this many times, but a lot of people don't, um, when it comes to epignosis, when the Greek word is used for knowledge, now let me just pause there and say this. A lot of the time when we're studying the word, we read knowledge, and knowledge for us maybe has one definition. But if you look up the word knowledge, uh, 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 in the, the, the Bible dictionary, you would see that there's different Greek words for it, which means it's, there's actually, it's not talking about the same thing all the time. It's often talking about different things. So, in um, this verse, in verse uh, uh, 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, it's talking about common sense. It passes common sense. Okay? It's not just common sense. Then in verse 17, or verse uh, 19, uh, let me read the whole th 17 to 19 from TPT. It says, Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. Now let me pause there and say this as well. It's so important that when we come to prayer and we're spending time relate, uh, just living, not even just in prayer time and stuff, but just in everyday life, that we're conscious of what this prayer is talking about. This has to be something that we're aware of. This is the reality of Christianity. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay, so look what he says. That by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and roots of your life. Then you'll be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measure that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So that's just a Think about all the descriptive words of what's inside of us. 
We're going we're to look at it in a bit, but Philippians 1. Philippians 1. So we, we're just going through a, on a, on a journey through the, the, the New Testament letters, just picking up what is Paul praying for. So far we've seen that he's praying, when, he, when he's talking about praying for us, he's talking about, or he's praying about knowledge. He's talking about revelation. Knowing what we've got. Identity in Christ. The Spirit within us. Those are the things that mean more than money. That's why he's not praying for money. <laughs> okay, You know what he does with money? He takes a collection to send it to the needy church. But he doesn't uh, pray for any needy church to have money. Any needy believers to have money. He prays for them to have revelation. Because revelation is worth more than money. Okay? Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure. Bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. And you will be completely or filled completely with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus, the anointed one, bringing great praise and glory to God. So the focus of this prayer is on the knowledge and the believer's love walk. You could say, on, on us walking in love, on, on us uh, overflowing with this love that, that we've received. Okay, Colossians 1, 9 to 11 from the living. It says, uh, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God, to, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then you will live... Sorry, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So living a, a life which honors and pleases God is based on what you know. That's what it's saying. Because he's praying that we'd have wisdom and understanding. And he says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So you can't live a pleasing life if you don't know much. Studying is important, the word. Understanding truth is important. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power, so that you, may, uh, will, all have, you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. So, one of the things that he, he's praying about, and this, and I think the next verse we look at, is that we would know the whole will of God. So walk in love, know the whole will of God, grow in knowledge. These are the things that, God, that like, uh, Paul is showing us that, that we, we should be desiring as well. Because if he's praying it for us and he desires it for us as the church, then this should be something we, 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 we should desire for ourselves too. Another one, Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, or Papyrus, a member of your own fellowship, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He is always praying earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. So, Ipaparas, his commitment was to praying for the believers for growth in the knowledge of Christ, right? So that shows like one of the things that we can pray for each other. And we see this in another verse, uh, Philippians 1.19. You've got the King James first there. It says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. 
through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I put in the, the passion there so you can see something. It says, because I know that the lavish supply of the Spirit of Jesus, anointed one, and your intercession will bring about my deliverance. So now in, in the King James, he uses the word salvation. And in the passion, it uses the word deliverance. Okay, Because the word that's being taken from the Greek there means a, a a, a preservation, to protect, to deliver. Okay, so it's, it's not talking about salvation from sin. So Paul's not saying, I know that this shall turn to my salvation in a sense of he didn't have salvation and now he's getting salvation. We can't just assume that this is talking about forgiveness of sins because it says salvation. It's talking about uh, deliverance and pres preservation from uh, uh, unbelievers who would be preventing the gospel from advancing. So it's talking about persecution in context here. So from all of these references that we see, there's uh, prayers being made for believers. There's prayers being made for ministers of the gospel. So praying, one of the things we can also see is that praying was consistent. Praying was continuous. Praying uh, 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 was um, also for the circumstances around the gospel. Not just the minister, not just the believer, but for the circumstances around the gospel. Okay, for example, I never thought of this now, but um, we, we uh, uh, cancelled the mission trip to Zim because, or we postponed it, let's say, we didn't cancel it, it'll go later on in the year, because um, the elections are coming up. And the elections will already now, if we were to go, be distracting people from receiving. So, I mean, that is something that we could pray into if we really wanted to go now, we could pray into it and deal with uh, 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 distractions and whatever before we go but instead we're going to let the distractions go and we'll come after that <laughs> you know and then when people are, are done with that we can kind of step back in so the prayer focus in the letters of the new testament was around the gospel advancing it was around uh, uh, men coming to salvation and then believers growing up spiritually that's God's desire for us. That's why Paul was praying those things, and that's why we should focus on those things. Now, what do you pray for when you pray for someone? <laughs> Think about it, compared to what Paul was praying. Like, that, that's the point here. We need to look at the Word and go, is my prayer life lining up with what Paul demonstrates and others demonstrate in the Bible? Or am I praying just for a job and just for this and just for that and, you know, just a circumstances around comfort because often we're praying for, about circumstances surrounding comfort and we're not praying about circumstances surrounding the advancement of the gospel for example if you have a bad colleague and they're difficult and they're making your life tough instead of praying for them to get another job somewhere pray for an opportunity to connect with them so that you can minister to them pray for their heart to soften pray for God to send other people to minister to them if you're not willing or if you can't because maybe they, you've burnt the bridge or they've burnt the bridge and you can't connect. Then pray for them in other ways. You know what happens when we pray is it changes us. So when we start praying for other people, it doesn't just change them, it changes us. It changes our hearts towards them. So, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, now finally, is not a, 
we often take this as though he's closing his statement. He's closing his letter, finally. That's not what it's, it's doing. It's he, finally, in, in a sense of furthermore. Okay, finally isn't, the, this is the end now. He's saying finally as in furthermore. So he's building on what he's already been, been uh, saying. He's, he's explaining what he's taught now, but in maybe a different way. Finally, my brethren, be strong. The Greek there is implying to be strengthened with. Okay, to be strengthened with. Be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened with the Lord. I think another translation says infused with his power and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the day of evil, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with, it, with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Some of you going, clink. And your, your feet shod with the preparation, clink. <laughs> That's not what we're doing here. I'll explain it in a moment. Verse 16. Above all, take up the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, if you're saved, Anna, can you take salvation? No. Okay, so you, you can't pick up a helmet of salvation. This is just metaphorical. This is talking about your fixed position, what you've got. It's not taking, talking about what you need to get. You don't have to dress yourself like this every morning. If you do that, that's wonderful. We appreciate you. But that's not what this is telling us to do. Okay? Um, take up the helmets of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So there he brings in the, 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 the elements of praying in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication... For all the saints. So the word power here, this is what I'm, I'm wanting us to, to focus on and see. Because when we pray, we often have this mindset of, I'm here, God somewhere up there, and I'm needing Him to send the power. I'm needing Him to send something for me to be able to live and survive and, and get through this life. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. So if God is power, you're one with Him. You've got power because you've got God. You're never without the, 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 um, the answer to your situations and your circumstances and your problems because you've got Jesus. And He lives inside of you. So we need to tackle things from that perspective of, I've got Jesus, I've got His power living in me, so now I just need to show up and operate in this power by using the authority that He's given me. But let's look at this word power. In Ephesians 1.19, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness? Exceeding greatness. The word exceeding there shows us to throw beyond. To throw beyond the mark. Okay? So, exceeding greatness of his power. Power there is talking about force or might. Ability. He's saying that, that, that the ability goes beyond what you need. The ability... That we have in the spirit goes beyond what is required. So that's why we could say it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in us, because 
you know, it can't, it's not just able to heal a headache in healing terms. It's, it can do much more than that. It's not able to just save one person. It can save the whole world. So, you know, we, we need to look at it like that, that this is much more. The, the supply far outweighs the, the demand. Okay? So what is the exceeding greatness? The power that goes beyond the, the, the mark, exceeds the target, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. So... This is referring to the power of the resurrection that now we live in and lives in us. And this is, when we pray, we've got to be aware of this. Because otherwise, you see yourself as nothing. Without Christ, we're nothing. But we're not without Christ. So we need to see ourselves as, I'm one with Christ, and so now I have the ability to be able to live like Jesus. Or, let's throw it in there and say, pray like Jesus. So, from that verse... It'll be up on the screen. Five adjectives in the Greek language which describe power. Just in verse 19. Look at this. Because this is quite something. Okay. Number one. The word exceeding. To throw beyond the target. Like I said. Number two. Greatness. Is describing the might. Greatness. is describing the might. The power that we have in us. Available to us. Then number three. The word workings. Is describing something that's effective and is always active. So the power in us, what this verse is showing us, is that the Holy Spirit living in us is always on. He's not Eskom. Okay? He's always on. I like what uh, Etienne said this morning at Tigerberg, uh, uh, um, and I'll, I'll change it and say it like this. There's no load shedding with the Spirit. Okay? There's not times and seasons when he pauses or he takes a holiday or he says, you know what, I've just healed someone of cancer, so just give me a few moments to recharge. He doesn't do that. Okay? So, uh, 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 it's describing the working, the workings, the word workings is describing the power that's always active. The word might, number four, is describing strength. So within this, the power of the Spirit in us, there's strength. There's strength that we can find. And then the word power, at the end there, is describing force or might. And this is describing what we have because of Christ's resurrection. Who lives inside of us because of Christ's resurrection. Okay? Ephesians 3.20, this is a fridge magnet scripture for many, says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. See, Paul's describing what we've got. And when we come to understand that, we'll pray differently. Our prayers will start, well, our prayers will always sound according to what we believe. Our prayers will always be in accordance with what we truly believe. So if all of a sudden there's a crisis... And you're like, oh God, that's describing what you believe. It's not wrong if you're in a, 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 all of a sudden in a situation and something happens and you freak out. It's not wrong to freak out, but it just shows what your heart, where your heart's at initially. And you might eventually turn back and go, okay God, you know, I know that you've got this, let's pray. That's good. But we want to grow to the place where prayer is always our first port of call. 
where that is always the, the, the gut reaction, the first thing that we do. Okay? I was um, recording this past week um, some videos, and um, it was funny. The videographer and I were talking between the shots, and uh, <laughs> we both agreed that we should have really just recorded what was between the shots. Uh, because although what was in the shot was great, between the shots was really great. We were just having a, a conversation about this. And how, you know, like, uh, we don't have to panic in a crisis. And how we can uh, see miracles and things happen if we straight away, do, we just turn to God and we, 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 we go in that direction. So anyhow, let me not go off on that track there. But it says, um, what verse are we on last there? Ephesians 3.20. Great. Ephesians 6.10. Finally. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, the word and is not always a conjunction. Sometimes it's just meaning to further explain. So this verse is actually just further explaining. Okay? That the strength in the Lord is the power of His might. And this is describing what we've got. Okay? Um, Paul was teaching that the believer should take advantage of what we have. We've got God. That's what he's showing us. We've got God living inside of us. Okay? We can go through this whole verse quickly. It says, Ephesians 6, uh, 11, Put on the whole armor of God. So in prayer, we've got to see ourselves as, I'm not just trying to pray in my own stead or ability. I'm praying in His because I'm wearing his armor. Now, if you look through the armor, we'll do that in a moment. None of it is because of me. It's all him. It's not my sword, it's his sword. It's not my breastplate, it's his breastplate. Let's just think about the breastplate of righteousness. You can't put on the breastplate of righteousness in a sense. Of take it off and you're unrighteous and now you're putting it on because you are righteous. It's talking about the confidence we should have because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We have been made right in Christ and so we've got the breastplate of, of righteousness and so we need to make sure that we have that consciousness and awareness when we live, when we pray. That, hey, I am 100% right with God because of what He's done for me. Now, if you have uh, uh, um, um, the other side of it, the other perspective would be that when you pray, you're not focused in on what Jesus has done for you and what that makes you, which is righteous. But when you're praying, when you're fellowshipping with God, you're focused in on everything you've done wrong and what that makes you. So on one hand, you're coming to God and you're like, woe is me. On the other hand, which Old Testament saints did, but we're not Old Testament saints. Now we come to God and we're not, woe is me, look at me, I'm so bad, I'm so sorry. We're coming, we're going, thank you, Father, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that before you, I stand perfect, flawless in your eyes because of faith, not because of action. Yes, there's things I might need to sort out. But the answer to this prayer isn't dependent on me sorting my stuff out. It's dependent on my faith in you. Okay? So, the word stand, what does that mean? Stand. <laughs> means just stay. Be fixed there. Okay? And he's showing us how to kind of deal, uh, you could say, in spiritual warfare or in prayer and all of this. And uh, I like how he says, uh, uses the words wi uh, wiles of the devil in, in, in verse 11 there. 
Because he's showing us what the enemy's real power is. What is it? Deception. Wiles is deception. It's schemes. Where are schemes? Is this a scheme? <laughs> That's not a scheme. It's a hole. He, well, he asked me last time, he said, please can I have one next time that you throw them out? <laughs> so what I'm trying to show you is that me throwing that at uh, um, Malcolm wasn't a scheme. Me thinking about it was a scheme. But what, what you need to see is that it's not a tangible, the enemy's wiles aren't something tangible that he's going to hit you on, with. It's all in the mind. The battlefield is in the mind. And if he can get hold of us and intimidate us and put us in fear, then, then it can become a physical thing. Okay? So, it's good for us to, to see this. Like it says in Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against uh, spiritual wickedness and high places. So, it's talking about... People are not our enemy. So if we had, hypothetically speaking, a very bad government, we wouldn't be praying against them. We'd be praying at the influences against, uh, against them. We'd be praying for their salvation. Because there's spiritual uh, uh, forces which are at work to try and cause problems through them. For the church as well. You see, so people are never our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So in prayer, we're not praying like, uh, who's your enemy? Make a list of your enemies. I've shared this before. You know, a friend of mine in Zim uh, uh, told us that, uh, Pastor Isaac said that at a church he used to be at now 20 years ago, um, they would each bring an egg to church. And then they would write the, the, the names of their enemies. You know, like Bob on the egg. And then they would, in, while they're sundying and doing, you know, prayer and whatever, they would throw the eggs at the wall. And that's spiritual warfare. Now, firstly, that, that's not in the Bible. But secondly, like, people are not your enemy. The enemy is your enemy. Sickness is an enemy. Depression is an enemy. Yeah? The, 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 the enemy is the enemy. <laughs> but, you know, someone's not my enemy because they're giving me a hard time. The influences that they are uh, yielding to are the enemy. And so we pray, we, we need to think bigger picture, not just what am I feeling, but what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, you've, you've probably seen this. Someone just is, is mean, uh, or they're just not performing well, or they're just like, something's like they're, they're not a pleasant person to be around. And then you ask them, how are you? And you realize, wow, that's why you're unpleasant. Because of all these problems going on in your life. And so you can kind of see that sometimes what's happening behind the scenes is influencing us. What, what's happening behind the scenes is causing someone to experience something and that then is coming against me. Okay? So, let me look here quickly. Ephesians uh, 1 verse 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I like how it says spiritual wickedness. Okay? It's not talking about 
carnal wickedness, in the sense of natural, physical, tangible wickedness, that is wickedness, yes. But there's something going on behind that that we can pray into. Okay? It's not just what we're experiencing. There's something else at work. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to showing us uh, 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 how to pray and what to pray for. Look at this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Paul is discussing the whole armor of God, and he highlights, and this is on the screen, the loins gird about with truth, okay, so the belt, the breastplate of righteousness, preparation of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. So he's using a Roman soldier's uh, um, get-up to show us a, a spiritual truth. Okay? Every piece of um, the armor is related to preaching the gospel. And yet, a lot of times these things are taught and it's got nothing to do with the ministry that we're all called to of sharing the gospel. It's got everything to do with me just living as a victor and overcoming in this life and not having my enemies uh, uh, upset me today. And it's, we've got a very self-centered approach to Christianity when we, we look at verses like this. But if you go read through the whole book in the context when he's talking about these things, he's talking about the advancing of the kingdom. And so, you know, we've all got the belt of truth. We've all got the breastplate of righteousness, these shoes of uh, preparation for the gospel of peace. We've all got the shield of faith. We've all got the helmets of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We're not all using all of those things. But we, we could also just be misusing those things in terms of just uh, aiming our prayers in the wrong places. So... It's important for us to see, and then I like how he finishes off, let me say this, uh, um, uh, verse 18, I don't have it yet, we'll get there now, we'll get there now, it's coming. Okay, verse uh, 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, so he's saying, please pray for me, that utterance may be given to me. What does that remind you of? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as the Spirit gave them. Utterance, sorry, Acts chapter 2. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Pray for that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I love how Paul was never asking for prayer for anything that wasn't in alignment with his calling. That's laser focus. That's focus that brought success and fruitfulness. And so we should also be kind of thinking like that in terms of, Am, is what I'm praying for actually in my prayer life geared towards my calling or is it just geared towards my comfort? Is it geared towards uh, being a blessing to others or is it geared towards just being a blessing to me? Let's look at what Jude says. Jude chapter 1 verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you 
and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost. So, in context, if we look at this, he's talking about how uh, um, praying in the Holy Ghost is standing against, in this context, the false gospel. That's one of the things that he's, he's talking about here. And in, in, in standing with the gospel, <clears throat> uh, 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 we pray much in the Spirit because it serves us. We said last week, praying in tongues builds us up in our most holy faith. That's what Jude is saying here. So praying in the Spirit, building us up in our most holy faith, it's for a reason. It's for us to be able to live our purpose on this earth. So as I'm praying in the Spirit, it's encouraging me and strengthening me to, to do what God's called me to do here. Amen? So, what instruction is Jude giving us here? He's saying that uh, as we're praying in the Spirit, it's building us up in our most holy faith. Now, you don't have to be aware of breastplate of righteousness, helmets of salvation. You don't have to be aware of all of that. But we need to have a consciousness of what that means. Because it's just a metaphor of something. It's showing us, it's not a literal helmet, but the helmet is now protecting our mind. The helmet is protecting our, uh, our vision even, and the control room, if you want, so to speak. And your, your, your helmet of salvation is always fixed. You know, if someone wants to, to, to kind of shoot an arrow at you, to go for the head or for the chest, man. Now, your chest, the breastplate of righteousness, which is, you know, that's where the enemy is going to try and shoot, is that your righteousness. And when you know you're right in Christ, like you're praying in the Spirit, you're focused on that, you're building yourself up in your faith concerning those things, you're going to stand firm and stand strong. Okay? You're going to stand firm, you're going to stand strong. So, you know, when we're praying in the Spirit... We, like we said previously, we're communing with the Father, we're fellowshipping with the Father, and uh, it's building us up in our most holy faith, and then it's also helping us in praying for each other, because we don't always know what we should pray. But what we see throughout the, 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 the passages we've looked at, in Ephesians especially, is that there's a power at work within us that we need to be conscious of. That we need to be aware of when we're praying. When you're especially praying in the Spirit, but even if you're praying in English, Afrikaans, or Mandarin, whatever language you speak, you know, when you're praying, be aware you're praying to the Father. He's your Father, you're His child. Be aware that He wants to hear from you. Be aware that His power isn't far, it's in you. Be aware that He's inviting you to ask and you shall receive. Be aware that He is uh, uh, quick to answer. Those are some of the things we've looked at already. He's not delaying, but He's quick to answer. So when we pray, we would get better results if we had these kind of attitudes and these perspectives on prayer. God wants to bless me more than I want to be blessed. God wants to, 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 to see uh, His power at work in my life more than I want to see it at work in my life. God wants to see His power at work through my life more than I want to see it at work through my life. That's why we have VIP cards, or what do we call them? Hit lists. We're getting some new ones. We're getting some new ones uh, made. And, you know, the, that's to put down the people that we're praying for so we can reach out to them, so we can 
draw them in to family. But in, 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 in a few verses in closing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, just looking at uh, um, what the epistles are saying to us, what the letters are saying to us about prayer. It says, pray without ceasing. So that's pretty often, don't you think? Romans 12.12, rejoicing in hope, patience in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. On the spot, instant, but also like continuous. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching whereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So you know, Paul is continuously showing us that there should be a continual praying. There should be a continual stirring up on our part to, to, to minister in, in prayer. And the uh, last verse I want to look at again is Colossians 4.12 for Jamie. <laughs> Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand. So when we're praying, when we're praying... We're ministering, for, we're ministering to each other. That's ministry. When we're praying in the Spirit, we're ministering to each other. Okay? When we're, when we're um, this is the example that's set for us, but we should align our prayers up, not just with the default understanding of, I've got the power of God in me, I've got the Spirit of God living in me, my, God is my Father, and so when I approach Him and I'm speaking to Him, conversational, in prayer, like the, uh, uh, He's quick to hear he's quick to respond because he's a good father okay that doesn't i'm not saying with that that he's going to give you everything that you want that's not what i'm saying okay so don't misunderstand me but what i am saying is that prayer isn't as complicated as we make it out to be and when you look through the new testament the primary purpose of prayer is me praying you praying for each other as believers as family and then for us praying for the advancements of the gospel for ministers who are advancing the gospel. And then there's other things that we pray for too, which we, we, we will still get into. But the key there is, like we said last week, um, when we're praying in the Spirit, we don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit's praying through us. And then God will give us the um, interpretation or He'll give us the um, understanding becoming fruitful so that we're able to have the knowledge that we need to direct our prayers or we'll have the knowledge that we need to be able to do to make some decisions amen? amen so prayer is something that can really change everything and change anything you know and it's not a a formal kind of like i'm going to pray dear father this and that the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing now's god's opportunity to speak to me amen didn't happen or it did happen now i move on the idea what we see here in the word pray without ceasing pray continuing so there needs to be a continual prayer yes a dedicated time of prayer but we need to be as we go be prayerful remember what we said prayer paul's lifestyle was probably praying in the spirit most of the time when he wasn't talking to someone in whatever language okay we need to, to understand that that as we're going about our day god can speak to us because that's prayer and we can speak to him it's a two-way street not just a one-way street and understanding can become fruitful so then we're actually just walking in his in the supernatural we don't have to walk out of a prayer closet and into life 
We should be, you know, where is the house of prayer? We've, we focused on this a couple of weeks back. We are the house of prayer now. Jesus, we, it was that whole um, episode in the temple where he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. What was he talking about? He was talking about you and me because he doesn't live in a house. This is the house. This is the house, us together. And so, you know, we are the house of prayer. So as we go, we're always talking to God. And obviously then other people can come and talk to, to, to us and get to know God. And we can introduce them so that they can talk. But the point is, is that it's not a religious thing that we can only do in church or during a certain time period. As we go, we should be praying. And uh, we should discipline ourselves to, to have key times of prayer individually and together where we're praying in the Spirit and then we're praying as we feel led in English or Afrikaans or Mandarin for you. Uh, um, Anna. <laughs> Yeah, I know mean, you don't speak Mandarin. But you know, the point is, is like we, we're praying as we feel led. You know, one of the things we, we're training our boys in, even with this, is, is that when we pray before bed, we usually like, they usually pray this and that, the next thing. And now what we've started doing is even, because they're usually listening in like they are now, uh, um, what, let's pray in the Spirit together and ask God who should we pray for. So then, They'll, they'll be like, I feel that we should pray for this one or that one. You know, Jamie's come up a couple times. They're like, I want, we want to pray for Auntie Jamie. So we're like, okay, great. Let's ask God, what should we pray for Auntie Jamie? And then we pray and then something comes up and we pray for that or I don't know. Then I'm saying, well, if you just pray in the Spirit over her, then that's enough. You don't have to understand. You don't have to know. And I mean, she's had the most amazing week because of it. <laughs> But the point is, is like we, we need to be cultivating a life of prayer like this for each other even. You know, we think it's just coincidence sometimes that someone pops up in our minds and we're like, oh, and we move on. And then you find out something happened to them. You're like, I wish I'd contacted them. It happened with the Uncle Charlie situation for a lot of people. They were like, he was, I contacted uh, someone in, uh, in Durban who used to be part of Grace Life and I said, uh, I just wanted to let you know that Uncle Charlie passed and they were like, I've been thinking about him the last two weeks and I was thinking, I want to phone him and just see how he's doing. And I was like, it's too late now, <laughs> which is true. Things like that happen a lot in situations like that. The Spirit is trying to get to us so that we can pray for people. He's trying to show us what we should pray for. He's trying to show us, contact that person. Maybe they need some help. Maybe they need some love or whatever. So what we need to do is be alert. God speaking to us doesn't always happen in our prayer closets. You know, God speaking to us happens on the go. And if we're prayerful all the time, what does being prayerful mean? It's being conscious or aware of God and His Spirit at work. That's what prayerful is. Conscious and aware of His Spirit at work. So I'm conscious of God in me. His love is in me. And now I feel drawn because I'm thinking of someone. Or I'm feeling drawn because I'm seeing someone. And then what do I do? I follow that love and I'm like, how can I pray for you? Or, hey, I feel like I should pray for you for this. Or maybe it's just a blessing someone or something. And that's how we should be living our lives. Not just focused on ourselves and our business. But focusing on how can I be a blessing to the body? How can I help advance the kingdom? Amen? So let's uh, close off by staying together. And Father, I want to thank you that as we close off now, that if there's anything that you want to encourage us in, 
that, uh, that you would just speak, Father. That you would just minister to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We just welcome your spirit. We welcome your presence. I just want to encourage us all. Just if you pray in tongues, just pray softly in tongues, or just pray, uh, 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 just giving God thanks in, in English or whatever, and, and just allow God to speak to you. I believe what He wants to do is just bring up someone on your heart. Thank you, Father, right now that you're just alerting us to anybody that we know that needs prayer or needs contact. That you, we were just, we were availing ourselves now for you to minister through us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, once we were having a, a ministry night in, in uh, Tigerberg, and, and uh, as we were praying in the Spirit together, a word came forward and something about suicide. So we were praying against suicide and praying for protection. And that night, one of the pastors got home to Solari's Pass. And uh, went to a neighbor and stopped them from committing suicide. That, that's what we talk about. There's power in this thing called prayer and prayer in the Spirit. So Father, we thank you that right now we would just be alert to what's on your heart. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you're encouraging us and building us up and strengthening us. In the name of Jesus. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.